This week on the Fraternity Sorority Life podcast, a three-part series featuring alumni and alumna advisors. In this episode, Dick Rasmussen weighs in on advising an IFC organization. One of the things I've, I've found out in doing this over, over time is you're, you're working with uh, young men who have one foot in the adolescent world and one foot in the adult world. Hello, and welcome to the Fraternity Story Life podcast. I'm your host, Matt Deeg, and this set of episodes has been particularly enjoyable to record. I know I'm about a month late to be celebrating advisor appreciation. That was in April. But I wanted to offer a different perspective. What does the fraternity experience look like through the advisor lens? So I reached out to some of my friends in the field, and they recommended some amazing individuals to interview. Many of the individuals who work with fraternities and sororities would say that their work is a calling, but these volunteers certainly exemplify that. I know it might be tempting to listen to just the one that reflects the organizations you frequently interact with. You might be doing that right now. But I encourage you to tune into them all. Each has their own set of insights, but also a group of parallel observations. In this episode, I interviewed Dick Rasmussen. Dick is the alumni president for the Psi Upsilon chapter at the University of Rochester. He served as their alumni advisor for almost 40 years while also working at the institution. Here's our interview. All right. Hi, Dick. Thanks for joining me today. Glad to be with you. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to be able to pick your brain a little bit about you know, your role as a chapter advisor. Um, you know, my colleague said you've been doing this for a little while. And I guess the first question is, you know, what prompted your involvement with um, your chapter at the University of Rochester? And then, you know, why have you stayed in that role? Well, I, I got involved with the chapter uh, as a member of our alumni board uh, and as a chapter advisor not too long after I graduated. Uh, when I graduated from the University of Rochester, I, I taught high school for a short time and then had an opportunity to come back to the university and I was coaching football and baseball at the university. So I was involved with students from, from that standpoint and then uh, the uh, individuals who were serving on our alumni board at that time asked me if I'd be interested in serving on the alumni board and I, I said yes and, and uh, because of my role at the university it evolved into my being very quickly into my being a chapter advisor and uh, which uh, fit in with what I was was doing uh, in my uh, professional role at the university, and uh, that was back in the mid to late seventies. And uh, I missed an alumni board meeting one day, and they decided to elect me president. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, it happens the same way with alumni as it does with undergrads, then? <laughs> uh, not quite, but. I, I, <laughs> I think they were uh, they were pretty certain of what my answer would be at the time, and, and it's just uh, it's continued. Uh, we we had uh, a very active alumni board over the years. We've always had uh, around you know seven or eight, nine individuals involved pretty actively, uh, meeting with undergraduates uh, about once a month, sometimes. Uh, a little less often, depending on the, the flow of things during the during the course of the year, and 
and I've continued uh, my role. It's uh, for me, uh, when getting getting involved when when I was younger, I, I think uh, there were there were a couple of things. One is being involved as an alumni advisor was the kind of thing I was doing as a coach, uh, but it also as a volunteer, it, it gave me an opportunity to take on some responsibility that was beyond what I was doing uh, professionally. So it added to my professional portfolio, if you, if you will, in, in terms of uh, leadership, organization, uh, being responsible for uh, a, lar- a larger budget, uh, uh, right. more f- financial resources than I was dealing with in my role as a, as a coach and as an assistant coach. Um, and uh, it, it allowed me to interact with other individuals, professionals, uh, members of the board of trustees of the university who happened to be involved with the fraternity and uh, gain the benefit of, of their experience and, and do some networking for myself. So as a young alumnus, it was uh, uh, very beneficial for me, and, and also um, on the flip side, uh, uh, I thought my my closeness to the uh, to the undergraduates at that time I, I felt was a was a benefit. Uh, I understood their perspectives and, and could help uh, blend their perspectives with the perspectives of older alumni uh, at the time. So that's kind of how I got started. And, and uh, and uh, I think uh, you know you see in the course of that you see some positive things happening and, and creating relationships with the undergraduate leadership, which uh, which are very rewarding. At, at the same time, there are challenges too, because uh, one of the things I've I found out in doing this over over time is you're you're working with uh, young men who have one foot in the adolescent world and one foot in the adult world, sometimes right. more in one world than the other. <laughs> um, and they're maturing, they're learning things, they're, they're learning the lessons that you're trying to facilitate teaching. Uh, the only thing is that sometimes they don't demonstrate that they've learned those lessons until five or ten years later. Right. Um, so uh, it, it it makes for an, an interesting situation, which um, can be both rewarding and frustrating at the same time. Yeah, so it sounds, I mean, you know, you've been at this, if I'm doing the math correctly, a little over 30 years or so. Um, but, it, you know, it sounds like kind of a mixture of, you know, service to the fraternity, but then also there's been a lot of really good things that have come out of um your involvement with the chapter and with the alumni association, I think that's a, a positive thing for um, you know advisors. I think a lot of times people don't think about that when they're going to engage in that advisor role. They think about all the midnight phone calls or whatever that's going to happen. Um, but it's it's good to hear the you know the good, the positive outcomes of volunteering that you have. I guess you know you mentioned involvement with the alumni association and then also as an advisor and i guess the two kind of work in um in concert with each other so what all do you engage with with your role like what's your primary responsibility with the chapter well it, it, it's 
it's very similar over the year, but what it's evolved to at, at this point, and my primary role is to uh, is to uh, serve as as a as a counsel and uh, and facilitator for the chapter. We I should probably should back up by by saying that in 2010. Uh, our chapter was suspended by the university. We had uh, a situation uh, come up where there was some very serious hazing going on, and it was something that that came up quite quickly and uh, was kept from uh, even though as involved as we were as an alumni group with the undergraduate chapter, uh, there were things that that happened that were completely out of place, should never have happened, uh, things that were not a part of our history uh, at all. And uh, and as a result, uh, and they involved hazing. Uh, and as a result, the university suspended the chapter. Uh, originally, it was going to be for five years. Uh, we appealed that. It ended up being for about four years. But it left a clear path to coming back uh, to campus uh, without having to go through the the expansion, expansion process. process yeah. uh, some campuses would would require. So, if we, as we were anticipating coming back as an alumni group, uh, we had discussions about well, when we do this, what what do we want to have happen? What's our vision for the way we want? things to look and, and one of the things we decided very clearly was that when we came back we uh, wanted to come back with uh, using a, a single tier membership process that there would be no pledging process uh, so that we would uh, never be in a position where we had dual standards of membership or a privileged set of members and those who were subservient. Uh, we felt that was the, uh, in the case where we were suspended, that was the, the direct cause of that. But over the years, it, uh, issues that we'd had in many, many cases almost almost always came back to that mindset uh, of uh, it, uh, around having some members who were privileged and other members who were subservient uh, for whatever period of time. Right. So we wanted to, to uh, bring the chapter back where uh, the chapter would recruit, they would rush year-round, and when they decided that they had someone that they wanted to offer membership to, as soon as that person accepted their offer of membership, they would become a full member with full rights and responsibilities and participate in taking responsibility for the welfare of the chapter and uh, for the leadership of the chapter, no matter what their individual roles or, or responsibilities were. So, so as that process moved forward and we found a, a group of uh, individuals who, who were interested in working with us uh, to start a new, uh, restart the chapter, and uh, and buying into the, the notion of single-tier membership. 
Yeah. Uh, my role as an advisor became one of of, uh, of instructing, uh, taking responsibility for instructing this new group in the around the vision that we had, the, the, the ritual and how that ritual might apply to this new model, um, helping them with structuring all of their internal governance documents, policy documents, and and so on, and and emphasizing the philosophy and the values behind those things and how those things needed to translate into day-to-day actions and, and approaches. So, uh, so my role since the reactivation has been more active in, in that regard, and now uh, we've pretty well established ourselves. So now my role is one I. I I meet regularly with the uh, members of the chapter. I attend most of their chapter meetings I, and uh, observe what's going on, uh, offer them advice or counsel, but at the same time try to make sure that I keep it to offering counsel or, or advice or, or, sh- or pointing out to them options or alternatives that they have uh, rather than getting it falling into the trap of saying this is what you ought to do or you have to do this or you have to do that right now, occasionally there are a few instances where i'll point out something that you really can't go there because if you do this is what's going to happen uh, but uh, always putting them in the position where they're this where they're the decision makers it, it's their show it's not our show as much as you know once in a while you like to <laughs> like to say this is the way you ought to do it but you but you can't if you're going to be effective and it's if it's really going to work where they're going to take responsibility they have to be the decision makers they have they have to have an opportunity to succeed but they also have to have an opportunity to to fail yeah and i think you know a lot of times you know in my work with advisors they fall on one side of the spectrum or the other where they're so worried that the chapter is going to fail that they do everything for the chapter um you know, instead of just letting the members take that responsibility and, and making things happen. So it sounds like, you know, you have, you've established a really good framework where, um, you know, you and, and the other alumni that are involved have kind of this big picture of, hey, here's where we are. Um, and you're <clears throat> feeding that back down to the undergraduate members and then allowing them to um, essentially operate within that framework um, while, you know, helping to shepherd and guide them along their way. Yes, exactly. It, it's uh, you know the the first time around, you you may end up doing a large share of a, a share of it, planning a particular activity, a workshop, or so on. But involve them in the process so they see how it's done, and then each each iteration turn more and more responsibility over to them, and finally cut the cord and say this is this is your show yeah no i like that and you know i think um that helps you know that leads into some of the you know other questions that you know i was going to ask you about you've talked about some of the challenges especially just dealing with um you know developing young adults um you know working in working in education we know that that they're you know still learning and growing is as individuals, but, 
you know, in thinking about as you've progressed and, and made some of these uh, movements within the chapter, what have been some of the you know, successes or rewards for you as a, as a chapter advisor in your time with them? Um, I think some of the, some of the rewards are, are, they're both, they're kind of, they're subtle, but at the same time, very profound. And some, sometimes it's a simple thing where they'll be in a chapter meeting and, uh, they're having a conversation about uh, about it, admitting someone is a new member. I, I, I don't sit in when they normally do their rush, have their rush discussions. I don't sit in on those um, uh, during the during the rush period. But with the single term membership, they're they are they're recruiting and they're admitting people all year round. They don't they're. They're not limited to, a, to, limited to a timetable that says, well, the pledge period's got to start here and then right. there. They can take someone in at, at any time, which is a big advantage. Oh, so yeah. as a result, once in a while at the start of the meeting, they'll be talking about someone and you're sitting in on the conversation like that and they're, saying, and they're having a conversation and I uh, say, so, well, well, he's a good guy and I like being around him, but he gets out of hand and, he can't, uh, and there are times when you can't trust him and I, I, I don't know that he really gets what our values are and what the values are all about when you see them starting to have a conversation about someone and it's about whether he'll uphold the values that they share um, as opposed to just being a good guy and one of their buddies and, and I know him from this and I know him from here <laughs> yeah. uh, that's that's one of the successes or, or uh, when you they're in a meeting uh, they're uh, talking to, about uh, 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 the social event or party that they just had and um, and someone pipes in the middle of the conversation and says you know what we're doing too much drinking uh, and then they have a conversation about that and they actually do something that addresses that issue. It's not just all oh, shut up. You don't. We don't need to go there. Um, so you. So in my role right now, uh, now, and I, I see those kinds of conversations happening. And there are conversations about we need to do this to keep to take care of each other. Uh, you have these sets of principles and values that you put in front of them, and you hope that they'll pick pick them up. And run with them, and then when you see that actually happening, um, it's really great. And, and then that's the time where you got to step in and and just say thank you and yeah. and acknowledge that and congratulate them on, on doing that. And I I've seen more and more when when you do that, um, it not just not only just reinforces it, but it encourages them to take the the next steps. Um, you know, other kinds of successes. Too, and when you look, watch uh, the way they participate in, in some of their, their community service and other uh, programs, where they come up with these uh, with ideas and put them into practice. And you know, it isn't that everybody participates in everything, but when you've got six or ten people participate in that, and another six or ten in this, and it accumulates over time. When it, you see that happening, and 
and it's their idea because it's something that they, it's an activity that they care about or that they have a personal link to, and then get other people involved in that as opposed to somebody saying, well, you, you got to rack up this number of hours and we're going to do it because we got to do it. Um, it's, uh, uh, it's a whole different story. I, yeah, that's give another that's inspiring. Another example with our with our cook, we have our, our the cook in the house, and and um, previous to reactivating the chapter, the operation of the kitchen was always a struggle because people are messing up the kitchen and, and creating problems for the cook or so on. That just doesn't happen because they have a good personal relationship with the cook, and they go out of their way to make sure things get kept clean and taken care of and and when I hear the cook or the custodian that works in the building bragging to their counterparts in other houses around the quad about how well their guys do uh, <laughs> it's a reinforcing thing and, and last year oh, about a year and a half ago uh, our cook's uh, daughter died unexpectedly in Florida and, and he mm. had to uh, take some time off to go down to take care of, make arrangements and and so on. And, and they took up a collection among themselves to, to help him out with that. And uh, and he was really touched by that. And, and just by the way they treat him generally to the point where he had, he brought all, the entire chapter and their dates over to his church and put on a prime rib dinner for him at, for them at the church. Wow. Um, and uh, and took care of them, and, and then in turn the guys got involved in doing some volunteer work at the, the church. And this is a church in, in the inner city in Rochester. And just watching that happen uh, was uh, was very rewarding. I, I guess the other thing I'd say is that every once in a while we'll have, we'll have uh, you know homecoming reunions and so on, and have guys come back from. Uh, 10, 15 years ago and and commented, well, I can't believe all the shit we gave you <laughs> when we were undergraduates. How did you ever put up with that? <laughs> thanks for doing it. Thanks for staying with it. Uh, you know, it's great to see that things are still here. So, so you know, the comment I made earlier about they don't, they're, they're learning, but they right. don't always demonstrate what they've learned until they've left. Yeah. Try not to let that be a crutch to, to excuse things while they're undergraduates, but at the same time, it, there's there's a lot of truth in that. Yeah, definitely. I think you know there's a lot of patience wound up in in being an advisor, and it's it you know a lot of the things that you're noting as successes sound they sound like you know watching them actually make those adult steps and making those adult decisions, moving from you know looking at someone as a friend to looking at someone and saying, well, how do they match the values of our organization? Or, you know, the cook example that you gave that, you know, they could have just let the cook go off down to Florida, but they, they chose to take action to support the cook and, um, you know, actually stepping up into um, those adult roles. And I think, yeah, being in it for an extended period of time, you do get to see the later ones who may took who may have taken a little longer to get there, um, but yeah. you know they they can certainly show that appreciation. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm recognizing as you're talking is a lot of this. You know, you, you said at the beginning that you were a a coach um, and an educator, and I think a lot of 
your approach seems to be bound up in kind of that, you know, you're a coach and you're an educator. Um, and so you know, I'm curious how both that has influenced your work as an advisor, but also the other way around. How has, um, you know, your advisory role enhanced your role in your day-to-day job? Well, I think it, it, it's, uh, it's afforded me the opportunity, especially when I was younger, it's afforded me the opportunity to um, be involved in, in an operation or take on some responsibilities as a volunteer that I probably would not have been able to do in my job until you know five years, ten years, fifteen years later. For example, um, when I became the alumni president, um, shortly after I became the alumni president, we embarked on a fundraising campaign uh, along with the other fraternities um, at the University of Rochester to, to do major renovations of, of all of our fraternity houses. So as a result, I, I ended up having a leadership role. We had a, a couple of other alumni, one of whom was on the board of trustees, the other one who actually was my predecessor as president who chaired the fundraising committee, but a lot of the organization of it and the implementation of it uh, fell, fell to me. So I had a chance to organize a major fundraising campaign um, and that's something I probably would not have had an opportunity to, would not have had an opportunity to do as a coach uh, probably for another 10 years until oh, yeah. I had been a coach for some time and got involved in administrative work or, or working with the uh, uh, with the athletic director or becoming an athletic administrator uh, at the time. So here I'd, uh, I'm in a role as a, um, as a junior professional, if you will, working with individuals who've been members of the board of trustees, working with the development office and the fundraising folks at the university and that getting an experience, a resume building experience as a volunteer that I would not have had otherwise in, in in my professional career. So, and I, I think there are a lot of examples of that. I, there's a, I can't remember who wrote the book. There's a book called something like The Gift of Volunteerism um, or The Gift of Leadership, something like that. And it, hmm. and it talks about how uh, becoming involved as a volunteer in organizations allows particularly young professionals to gain experience uh, working with uh, having fiduciary responsibilities, administrative responsibilities well beyond what they would have an opportunity to do you know, within their professional roles in business or education or, or whatever. And I've seen that happen for myself uh, uh, a number of times in a number of ways. Yeah, certainly it sounds like it. It's, you know, one of the, <clears throat> so one of the things that I'm currently researching is actually the influence of volunteering on, you know, professional Endeavors, and that's something you know that we have theoretical uh, beliefs about, but not a lot of actual proof of that. You know, volunteering contributes to work success and contributes to kind of the development of additional professional competencies. And so, you know, you are you're sharing exactly what you know the academics like. Yeah, this is what should happen, um, but you know, you're you're living proof that it is happening. And so, yeah, like. 
give you another example. We have a, a, a younger fellow on, on our alumni board who graduated in, I want to say 2005, 2008, 2005 or so. And uh, he'd gotten involved uh, as, uh, on our, as a volunteer on our alumni board, and he's volunteered to serve on other, uh, a couple of other nonprofit boards in, in the area related to his professional interests. And over the years, he's, he's um, built relationship and, relationships and networks and taken on responsibilities on those volunteer alumni boards uh, and that networking has led him to uh, progression of, of jobs related to some of those boards to the, to the point now where he and was serving on a, on a volunteer board and as a direct result of serving on that volunteer board it ended up uh, being hired as a executive director of, a, of uh, the uh, 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 the county uh, medical association uh, in in, uh, in this area, so for him it had that volunteerism and the networking and the response, the increasing responsibilities as serving on those volunteer boards had a direct direct line relationship to his professional progression and and the job he holds today. Yeah, no, that's incredible, and I think. Uh a good hope and message for folks who are thinking about, um, you know, especially right after they graduate, do I want to still be involved with my chapter or, or not? And, you know, one of the, one of the things I'd like to, you know, our final question to wrap up our, our conversation is really thinking about, um, advice that you'd like to give, um, you know, cause different folks listen to, to our, our episodes, you know, campus professionals, undergraduate students, and, you know, alumni advisors tune in. And so, you know, any advice that you would like to share with them um, to make the fraternity experience better, make their experience better, um, would love to close out with some of those words of wisdom. Well, I think um, if I had advice to offer folks, I guess it would be uh, one is don't be afraid to assert your values or the, or the things that you value about your organization. Don't be afraid to assert those values in, in working with the undergraduates, uh, but do it in a, do it in a way that um, that allows them to come to their own conclusions and, and make their own decisions. Uh, give them the opportunity to fail, but help them by putting them in a position where that, where if they do fail, they don't, they don't fall too far. Right. Um, be patient. Um, remember it's about the organization. It's not about you for better or for worse. Right. Uh, Cause sometimes it can, uh, when they do make a mistake, it can feel, it can feel very personal and it's not personal. It's part of a, it's part of a learning process. It's part of a process of growth, and and growth is a by definition growth is the response of a system under stress. So if if there is no stress in the system, there will never be growth. Uh, and if you can remember that, it's just it's it's how we deal with that stress, 
and if we can be patient and uh, kind of set up set up the parameters around the stress or around that growing process uh, so they encourage moving in, in a good direction but at the same time don't stifle the process uh, I think at the end we find uh, we'll find rewards that's awesome well and um, definitely good good words to kind of end on of you know yeah, you're 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 there as an, an advisor, a coach to almost mitigate some of that stress, but uh, make sure that they're learning and growing through that process. So, uh, Dick, I appreciate you taking the time. One um, for the last long while of of advising the chapter there at the University of Rochester. Um, I, I swear it took probably like one second for John to get back to me and say, "Here's your dude." Um, so. <laughs> Um, you know, I think that well, speaks that, volumes you know, of your appreciation. Uh, yeah. Well, I've got to say one of the, one of the things that's that has been a real plus for me uh, since I've been doing this is at Rochester that our fraternities and sororities and our fraternity and sorority alumni I think have had a uniquely positive relationship with the university and the support. Uh, we've gotten from the university and now particularly through John's office makes uh, makes a huge difference uh, I know all of our alumni don't always see eye to eye with the university when, when we went through the suspension process I, I had people in our group that wanted to go to war yeah. some of them did go to war but uh, but we, we've had a very positive relationship the university su- supports uh, what we do and, and the kinds of things I've been talking about uh, uh, putting undergraduate chapters and alumni organizations in the position where they're making the decisions and uh, setting up some, some parameters that encourage and, and enable people to be successful or, as opposed to looking for excuses to discipline a group or, or get rid of a group but as um, has been a huge positive factor and, and for me has made a, a difference. We're uh, very appreciative of the, the support we get from the university. Yeah, and I know I know it goes the other way too, that they're very appreciative of the support that you know you provide for them and for the chapter. So, uh, Dick, thank you for, you know, one, again, just the time that you give the chapter, but also for um, sharing some of your thoughts on, you know, benefits, but then also just the really cool successes that you've been able to have with the chapter there at Rochester. Um, I wish you all the best as you continue to advise them, um, certainly, and, and hope to see more successes from y'all. Great. Well, thank you very much. It's, uh, it was a pleasure speaking with you. Awesome. And that's one set of advisor viewpoints. I encourage you to tune in to the other episodes in this mini-series. And of course, if you have comments or questions, Leave a note on iTunes or hit me up on Twitter, at Matt Deeg. And, as always, stay curious.